My name is Jeff Lerner, and I interview elite performers from a wide range of disciplines, entrepreneurs, athletes, celebrities, scientists, artists, and more. This is Unlock Your Potential. Welcome to another episode of Unlock Your Potential with Jeff Lerner. So excited to be here with you, as always, having incredible conversations with incredible standard-setting human beings. And today I am joined by a luminary, Miss Sharon Lecter, someone that I have uh, been a fan of for years, who was actually a really early influence on me through the Rich Dad book series. So it's kind of a pinch me moment to actually be like talking to her and hanging out and having met her in an event and like kind of in the same circle as her. I mean, I don't want to be like presumptuous or whatever, but anyway, uh, we're so excited to have her on Unlock Your Potential. And I'm so excited to, uh, to dig in. Sharon, welcome to the show. Well, thank you so much, Jeff. I'm delighted to be with you. And I just love the name of it, Unlock Your Potential, because that's what we want to do for everybody. Well, yeah, we're, we're trying here. We're, we're going to fight the good fight. Um, and there is a lot of that potential. And, and I know that uh, you and I are ideologically aligned in that, uh, you know, probably the world's greatest squandered resource is human potential, you know, mm -hmm. between the schooling system and the employment system and the banking system and the, the, the debt, you know, consumer debt based system and all the systems of systems, we, we, we suck a lot of potential out of the average human person before we let them die. Right. So <laughs> we're trying to do better. Um, yeah, man, where to start even with, with Sharon Lecter? I, I, you know, I, I've got the, I've got a couple of rich dad books on my shelf over there and I know you've done a lot since then. And, um, but man, those, uh, those purple books, they were and still are just everywhere. Tell me, tell me, maybe, maybe that's, I think, a good place to start. Like, how'd you get into that? Uh, how and why'd you get out of that? And like, do you ever feel like you have a big purple shadow hanging over you? <laughs> uh, that's the first time anybody's asked that question. There was a time when I thought Rich Dad was my legacy. And, um, hmm. the, you know, God decided to make sure I knew that there was a whole lot more for me to do. Um, let me let me give you the Cliff Notes version of where sure. I came from, because I grew up in a very humble um, home, lower middle class. We lived in a small house between my mom's beauty shop and my dad's used car lot. Neither one of my parents had a high school diploma. My dad ended up career Navy, ended up running the engineering school. So he's a pretty smart, self-made man. But um, I used to clean out um, rental properties between tenants when I was 10, scrubbing out bathrooms. We had orange groves that we had cash flow from the oranges every year. But my friends, their parents were CEOs or military officers, and I thought we were somehow less than. And um, I decided I wanted to get a college degree. I wanted to become a sophisticated professional. And so that's what I did. First generation to go to college, got my degree in accounting. I was one of the very first women in public accounting. Um, moved to Atlanta, loved it very quickly rising through the ranks at Cooper's and Labyrinth back then, one of the big eight. And about the ripe old age of 25, I realized that I was not in control of my own life. And my parents started looking a lot smarter. Hmm. I had a client that offered me to go with him. He was buying a, buying a company out of bankruptcy. I still remember going back to my condo with the old yellow legal pad before PCs, before cell phones, pros and cons. And it didn't help me, but I could argue both sides. But my hand took off across the top of the page and said, why not? Why not do something different? Why not solve a problem or serve a need? Why not take that road less traveled? And so that was when I made the decision to leave public accounting and, and really start my own entrepreneurial career. 
met my husband um, by that decision. And we've been married 41 years, started a woman's magazine, sold that. Started talking children's book, the books that had the sound strips down the side. I met the inventor of that and joined him and helped him grow that around the world. Wait, let, me, so let, let, me, let me interrupt. Let me just make sure we don't gloss over that. You start, because I have these books in my home because I have four kids. You started or were part of the, the gestation of the talking children's book where the, they push the button yes. in it. Okay. That's right. The inventor of that was a good friend of mine. He started the company and then he needed, wanted to grow it. He'd had a, his company had been into sheet music. He was a musician and he got into the talking books. And so I came and helped him scale it and help him build the systems and take that around the world. Okay. And I learned so much about international manufacturing and banking. And, um, and it, we also understood that we had this electronic thing that kids had never had before and so we said how can we get parents to trust us and so we aligned with little companies like disney warner brothers mm -hmm. sesame street so i understood the power of association the power of licensing and that helped us to explode that company around the world and we started that company in 1987 sold it in 1991 and that's when uh, my husband and i moved to arizona 92 our oldest son went off to college, came home in December in credit card debt. I was so mad, mad at him, but more mad at myself. We didn't even know he had a credit card. He got to college campus and there was a table, free pizza, free money, free t-shirt, free money. And um, he had a really good time his first semester in college. Came home in December and asked us to bail him out. Haven't always made the right parenting decisions, but that one was the correct one. We wouldn't bail him out. And he's as passionate as I am today about financial literacy. But that was December of 1992. And that's when I dedicated the rest of my career to financial literacy, financial education, entrepreneurship education, because I realized that very few people had the benefit of learning what I learned as a child in, an, in a household where we understood the value of buying, building, and creating income-producing assets. Instead of chasing the money, chase the asset. And so when I realized that, I said, we, people need to understand the value of assets in their lives. And so that's when I really started on that journey, started working with school systems, hence the white hair. Fast forward a few years, my husband was a very well-known intellectual property attorney. He called me one day and said, I met this guy today that has what you've been looking for. So when I'm in front of an audience of women, I go, ladies, what would you do if your husband called you and said, I met a man that has what you've been looking for? I still remember it. It was like, okay, this sounds kinky. But it was um, Kiyosaki had gone to see him in his corner mahogany office in his flip-flops t-shirt with this idea for a board game drawn out on a piece of butcher block paper. Hmm. And so I met him at the first beta test. My husband helped him patent the game, but I'm the only one that got out of the rat race. And I said, this truly teaches what I'm teaching. And so what can I do to support you? Volunteered and, to help him commercialize the and that game. Was, that was cash flow, right? That was cash flow. Yeah, I, I played the game many yeah, times, love it. Yeah. 1996. Yeah. And as we continue, continued to help him um, in getting that game commercialized, he told me he wanted to charge $200 for it. And I said, well, that's pretty pricey. Maybe you should write a brochure that explains the philosophy that would get people to want to invest $200. And that's when he asked me to be his partner. And that brochure for the game was a little book called Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Hey. Most people... Most people don't realize 
that um, this was actually started and written as a brochure mm. to sell the cash flow game. And so this book came out in April of 1997. And so next April will be the 25th anniversary of the release of Rich Dad, Poor Dad. And we only expected to write one book. And the world said, no, we want you to write more. So we said, okay, we'll do a trilogy, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, Cashflow Quadrant, Guide to Investing. Mm -hmm. And then, oh no, they wanted more. So we became a publishing company. Our brand, which we thought was Cashflow, became the world said, no, your brand is Rich Dad. So in our 10 years as equal partners and co-founders, we wrote 15 books together and grew the company and the purple storm around the world. And at the time, publishers said, oh, your book needs to be red or black or green. It's a finance book. And I said, no, that's why we want it to be purple. And, you know, they said, no, it needs to be. I said, why not? Well, why not? Why not make it purple? We want to stand out. And so you go into the bookstores today, the few that are left, and you see a lot of purple books in the business department because people emulated what we did with Rich Dad. But it was an incredible journey building the largest personal finance brand in the world and having the kind of success because we looked at it by sharing stories. We weren't dictating what you do. And people immediately, when they see rich dad, poor dad, they immediately say, I had a rich dad or I had a poor dad or I am a poor dad. So you immediately relate to the brand. And so we had just an incredible opportunity to impact people around the world, over 100 countries, over 50 languages. And um, in 2007, we've been partners for 10 years. And Robert wanted to go into franchising, which was a great model for us, just not a very good model for franchisees. So at that point in time, I decided, and we were at the height of our success. Mm -hmm. I made the decision I had to leave because it was no longer the right thing for me. And so I left not knowing what was ahead of me. And I tell people, sometimes you have to close one door for other doors of opportunity to open. And you're right. I thought Rich Dad was my legacy at that point. Mm -hmm. We'd built it around the globe. And then a few months later, I got the call from President Bush asking me to be on the very first President's Advisory Council for Financial Literacy, an incredible honor that I served President Bush and Obama. But then a few months later, March of 08, I got a phone call from the Napoleon Hill Foundation. Now, I read Think and Grow Rich when I was 19, when I was in college. And we know what was happening to the economy in 08. And they wanted mm -hmm. to reinvigorate the teachings of Napoleon Hill. And, they, and Don Green, who's the CEO, had just learned that I had left Rich Dad. And he asked me to step in and help reinvigorate the teachings of Napoleon Hill. And it's just been an incredible journey. We've, I've written four books in relationship with a foundation, Three Feet from Gold, Outwitting the Double, Think and Grow Rich for Women, and Success and Something Greater. And it's just been an incredible journey. And so to answer your question, I did not know what my legacy would be, but the legacy continues to grow. It continues to, we've got to make space. Sometimes you've got to make room in your life for new opportunities. Well, yeah, and it's quite a legacy and it's, it's all of it. Um, I mean, I can certainly say you've impacted one person tremendously. I actually happen to have Think and Grow Rich on my desk too. Like I'm like holding all your legacy stuff within three, three feet. I'm three feet from gold, you could say, right? See what I did there? Um, but, uh, but no, it's, it's pretty incredible. And I mean, I just have to say as someone that, yeah, 1996, I was um, 17 years old and I had just dropped out of high school. Because I saw intuitively, I felt that school was this sort of long arc 
job training platform, right? That was sort of taking me from, it was like a flywheel that ultimately was going to bring me to employment. And I knew I was unemployable. I knew I, I didn't want to do that. I dropped out of school to become a musician. And I very quickly found out that being free and broke isn't actually really being free. Um, you know, I played gigs and I, I literally, my first gigs, I played for food. I would literally trade, you know, a four hour set of piano for a dinner at a restaurant. And uh, I remember reading Rich Dad, Poor Dad, probably 99, 98, 99 is when I read it. Maybe my buddy, um, I, remember, I remember my buddy, Jeremy, like, dude, you got to, for you got to read this book and then we're going to play. It was, he, he knew it was a brochure. He's like, you got to read this book and then you're going to come over and we're going to play this game. And that he went, him and I bought uh, my very first rental property together back in 2001 or something on a credit, like, you know, cash advance on a credit card and some craziness, but yeah, you, you know, I'm just one story, but I know there's millions like that. So that's, that is a hell of a legacy. I I'm sure I would, I would be an entrepreneur one way or another, but, but yeah, that's, I mean, you shaped a whole generation of entrepreneurs. And by the way, I just have to also acknowledge uh, you've written four books with Napoleon Hill Foundation. Mm -hmm. yes. And how many books did you have a hand in writing with the Rich Dad organization? Um, we wrote, well, 15. I've written a total of 26 books. So, And you, you actually have helped write or written yourself 26 books. Because mm -hmm. I just finished writing a book <laughs> and I feel like it almost killed me. <laughs> So I, I don't know how you pulled that off. That's a whole other conversation we need to have. But especially, uh, I mean, as, a, as an accountant, you've got both sides of the brain firing. Maybe talk a little bit about that. Like, because I know, you know, for me, I know what it took to, to write a book. Um, but I know to my audience, so I, I've gotten feedback when I posted about, hey, guys, I just finished my book and I showed a screenshot of the word count. It was like 96,000 words or something. And people like, how do you write that much? So I got, I want to ask you, like, how do you, how do you have that much to say? Like, what's the, what's the secret to being so, so fecund and, and fertile? And I don't know, maybe you shouldn't ask a woman about how to be so fertile, but you, you know what I'm trying to ask. Anyway. <laughs> that's all right. At my age, that's the same question. <laughs> it's, it's, um, you know, I, I love to talk about that because I do a lot of um, training people on writing. I work with a lot of people okay. getting their books done. And sometimes you look at writing a book as this like monumental task. It's just communicating. And so you want to write as you would speak. And at the end of the day, overall, you have a book project. What, what is the problem you want to solve or the need you want to serve in that book? just like I talk about your business, your business solves a problem or serves a need. When you focus on the end in mind and you know the journey to get there, and then you just start breaking it down, you kind of do the outline and then you start filling it in. You know, what are the five things that you want to hit towards um, the five topics that you want to cover in that book? And then under each topic, what are the three things within that topic? And then what's the story for each of those points? And so when you start doing it from that perspective, it doesn't seem like such a monumental task. And you have the ability to start pulling it together and realize that you're taking somebody on a journey. Because when you write a book, think about a textbook, you read it, it goes to your brain, and hopefully at test time, you can regurgitate it, right? Well, when you want a book that Im is impactful, moves people, you want them to read it and involve their heart. It touches their heart. And that's what makes, that's what inspires them and motivates them to make change. And you do that through being vulnerable and telling stories that they can relate to.
so that it engages their emotions. Mm -hmm. And so that's, I take people through this journey all the time on, on really understanding. And, and today you can write a book that's 20,000 words. It doesn't have to be 50, 60,000 words, but you want to be able to complete the process of getting that one point across so that people understand that their life can be better as a result of reading it. Yeah, I think that's one really interesting thing is that I learned is I remember a few times kind of stopping and being like, wait a minute, what is the point? What is this? What is the one thing that this book is about? Like, you know, if you think of the best books, like Rich Dad, Poor Dad, for example, like for the rest of my life, it's like, uh, poor, rich, poor people invest in stuff. Rich people invest in assets. Like that's it. I, there's probably other takeaways, but I, you know, mm -hmm. uh, start with why, like, um, you know, what are the, even think and grow rich. I mean, there's, there's these basic success principles. Like everything has a grounding in one point, at least the good books. And I know that was really, really useful for me was to keep coming. And every time I felt off or I felt overwhelmed, it was because I had lost the thread. You'd gone down a rabbit hole. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and that happens well, all the time. People get into a, you know, they get off onto a tangent. And sometimes it's okay to do that because you need to get it out of you, right? right? And then you look at that and go, okay, this is something, this is a perfect bonus. Let's pull this out of the book. This is a bonus chapter, right? Right. But, you know, you have to allow, you want to allow your imagination to just be able to share mm -hmm. and not try and restrict it too much. Because when, when I write, I always go over to the ocean, turn off the phone. I'm by myself looking at the ocean. It's food for my soul, but then I, I immerse myself in what I want to communicate mm -hmm. and it just flows. Yeah. Yeah. That was, that. there were elements of that in my experience. It was a little more hodgepodge because I was also running a business and also, yeah, I, I, you know, na next time I do it, I'm going to be really organized about how I do it, but but anyway, yeah, what a what a wonderful experience. I, I'm so impressed. Like I said, you've written 26 books that uh, I, I love it. What, like, what, So what's good, and I want everybody to hear this, you just said next time. And so you understand the success of the project, the pain that you went through. Now you can streamline it and the yeah. next one won't be nearly as stressful. Yeah. And that was another thing somebody told me early on is like, Jeff, first of all, get get over this idea that you're writing like the greatest nonfiction book in the history of America that's going to be your seminal life's work and by which you'll be forever defined. Like you're just writing a book, walk into a bookstore and look around and see how many there are. It's not that big a deal. You'll probably do it again. Like just, you know, quit putting so much pressure on yourself and just write it. And also the real is that I remember at a certain point going, wait a minute, this is my book. There's, there's no right or wrong. There might be more or less effective. And, and I ultimately, I get to be the judge of that. And maybe I'll enlist some professional help, but like, I can't do it wrong. The only way to do it wrong is to just stop mm -hmm. and, and not get it done. So anyway, that was liberating. Speaking of books, you have a new book, uh, Exit Rich, which yes. I would love to talk about, partly because it's your new book. And I assume you'd love the world to know you have a new book out, uh, <laughs> but also because, um, you know, I... I have, I really, really believe for the average person, and this is, this is at the core of, of why I do what I do um, with, with Entra, my, my education company, that, you know, there are a lot of people who are not in a position necessarily to invest significantly in the acquisition of cash flow producing assets. You know, there's things different people can do depending on different circumstances, but like, 
if you if you're struggling to find two nickels to rub together to go buy some Taco Bell, you're probably not out there acquiring a lot of assets, but you can build assets. Entrepreneurship is the hack to create what you cannot afford. And so I think if people really understand how you can you can take value, which every human has intrinsic value and the ability to deliver that value and create you know, the potential energy to, to create a transaction through an exchange of that value. Like we can all do that. And when you understand that when you, there's a, there's a formula, there's a process an art and a science to doing that in a sequential and structured way that can ultimately lead to what you're talking about, an exit, you know, it's like Bill Gates said, it's not your fault if you were born poor, but if you die poor, that's on you. Like exactly. this is how everybody can do it. It's not through a job. So can you talk a little bit about, uh, I'm, I'm reading the copy. It says, whether you're just getting started scaling or gearing up to sell a business, Exit Rich is your must-have guide for building value at any phase in your business. So can you talk a little bit about, you know, generally, the, I guess the idea of building a business as, a way, as kind of a hack to create value and wealth in the world, even if you can't afford to acquire assets, and then also more specifically, how the book helps you do it strategically and intentionally and in the right way from the get-go. Well, Sorry, that was, a, that was a very long compound question, but- well, first, why a business? If you want, if you truly are passionate about building an asset, and you have an issue that you a problem you want to solve or a need you want to serve, and you can build a business around it, that is the quickest way to wealth. And and it doesn't take a lot of cash to get started if you do it right. And but when people start a business, I always ask them, did you a start the business to work until the day you die? Or B, did you start it to build something that would be successful, provide for you and your family and give you your time back eventually? B, everybody says B, but most people build A. They build themselves a job, not a business. And so my many, many years of experience of seeing how companies do it right and more importantly, seeing how they do it wrong and all the clients that I've had, I said, you know, there's a system that people need to follow to build the foundation of their business so they can build a successful business that's also sustainable and scalable, which then makes it saleable. It doesn't mean you have to sell it, but you've created it so it becomes an economic engine for you that gives you your time back. And so we talk about the six Ps within the book, Exit Rich. The first one is your people. Do you have people who are strong where you are weak? Do you have the right advisors? Do you have the right mentor? Do you have the right team that's going to help you be able to grow? And sometimes the people that have gotten you to where you are today are not the right people to get you to where you deserve to be. And you have to make those tough decisions. But people then products, you you have a product or a service, maybe it can be leveraged into different industries, into different markets. We help people identify that and do that. The third one is processes. The systems, that's what makes your business scalable. Your operating system, all right? How are you doing your business? How are you making your product? How are you delivering your service? How are you taking orders? How are you delivering on those orders? Those processes is what makes it a true business. And it's a lot easier to manage a system than it is to manage personalities. So you have a system of how things go and somebody breaks it, you say, okay, what did you not do according to the system? Okay, it's all bit makes it more business. And the fourth P is proprietary. What is your competitive advantage? Mm -hmm. 
-hmm. your intellectual property. And these, this is tremendous value in today's world. Very little of it is on your balance sheet. It's the, what we call goodwill, your intellectual property, your brand, your competitive advantage. And this is my superpower. I help people identify their intellectual property, protect it, and then leverage it. And that's where the vast majority of value in the business world today is in, is in these intangible assets. And then the fifth one is, is your patrons. And in today's world, it, it, Jeff, so many people get excited about how many followers they have on Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, but you don't own those names. Those are great lead generation tools, but you want to invite them home into your database, your patrons, they become your best marketing tool. But if you don't have access to them, you're hurting yourself. And many companies sell based on their database. So yeah. it's really important to invite those people home into your database. And then the sixth one is profit. Obviously, we all want to make a profit. But if your profit isn't where you want it to be, it's probably because of one of those other five Ps. And so in the book, Exit Rich, we talk about the things to go through, how you can solidify the foundation of your business today. Not whether you want to sell it today, but let's create your business so that it is a standalone entity, an economic engine that generates revenue for you. And that that will give you your time back. And it gives you the opportunity to bring in other people to run it. It gives you the opportunity to scale it, take it into different industries. And that's the beauty of understanding the power of building a business so that you can exit rich. And you may still own the business, but you've exited at your time and that business is still generating the revenue for you. Yeah. And you've built something that is actually of value to the people that ostensibly you're building it for like to take care of right if you if you have to work till you die for your business then your business will die when you can't work that's right right um no that's this is so great i i i swear anybody out there that can't afford consulting start a podcast because you get all the free consulting you could ever possibly need this is like you know i'm scaling a business right now and it's like okay yeah boom this framework let me let me lean into this so um you know a lot of people, and I, I, I hear this all the time, there's, there is a bias, I think a negative bias in the world around entrepreneurship and, and business ownership uh, in terms of, I guess the word people use is risky. Oh, it's risky. Most businesses fail and blah, blah, blah. What do you say to that? What are your thoughts on, on business risk? Well, the risk, I think in the last couple of years has been proven that the risk is much higher when you have a job because you, you are at the mercy of the government, your employer, um, and you're not in control of your own life. And so as a business owner, you are the CEO of your own life. Yes, you're taking a risk, but if you're doing it correctly, if you're really solving a problem, you're building something that's adding value to the world. You're not just exchanging time for money. Employees exchange time for money. As a business owner, you're investing your time in buying and building and creating that asset. And so that is something that will give you infinite returns. When you're exchanging time for money, there's only so much income you can make because there's only so many hours in the day and only so many days in the week. So ask yourself, do you want to spend your time or do you want to invest your time? 
And it's not what you do for your paycheck. If you're employed, there's nothing wrong with being an employee. It's not what you do you know, for your paycheck that determines your future. It's what you do with your paycheck. And everybody can find five to 10 hours a week to invest in starting a business on the side. Don't quit your day job if you're dependent on it, but start something on the side that can build into an income producing asset. Amen to that. I love that you answered it where it's not to say, oh, well, yeah, you have to own a business. It's you have to own assets. And if you can't afford to acquire passive assets, then you probably need to build an active one, right? Like, i.e. start a business. Uh, I, I just, yeah, it's, it's crazy to me. And the reality too, that, you know, they just released inflation numbers and 6.8% is what they'll admit to uh, right now. You know, let's say, let's say it's between four and 8% a year. I, I think it's technically higher depending on how you look, what basket of goods you compare. But, you know, the bottom line is if you're not getting at least a five or 6% a year raise, you're getting poorer every year in terms of real buying power. So I think people that think that the security is in the job, if you were, if, if inflation wasn't happening, but they told you every year you work here, we're going to cut your pay, you would not feel very secure. But if every year you're not getting a raise, at least equal to inflation, effectively, you're getting a pay cut every year. How the hell do we sell ourselves that that's security? Hey, sorry for the interruption. I just wanted to let you know, you can get a free copy of my book, the Millionaire Shortcut, which will show you the fastest way to become a millionaire in the new economy. And there's a special link just for this episode in the description. So thanks for tuning in and I hope you enjoy the rest of the episode. So Exit Rich, uh, I am really excited to, to actually look at that book. Um, can you maybe talk a little bit about, because again, we have a big audience out there. I have a, an, I would say if I was going to pick one person out of my audience and say, you represent my audience, it would, it would be an early stage entrepreneur. A lot of the people that listen to the show are kind of, I think they're starting to buy into this, this rationale that, Hey, business ownership is, is for a lot of people, the best vehicle to wealth. Um, but there's, you know, there's so much conditioning and, and inherited reasoning to overcome for the average person. And so help me continue to enroll people in this idea of like, when you talk about if you do it the right way, it's actually much less risky than throwing your, your chips in with the, the employment system. What do you mean by the right way to start a business? Well, we don't know what we don't know. And people that are just starting a business, there's so many pitfalls. There's so many mistakes to make. And would you rather learn by making a mistake and losing money, or would you rather learn by studying successful businesses? Mm -hmm. And that's why I wrote Exit Rich. You could hire me as a mentor, I'm very expensive, but I help people steer, I steer them around the pitfalls and I accelerate their speed to success. So if you don't have a mentor, I suggest you get one because it's, you need to invest in yourself. But if you can't afford a mentor today, at least buy a book, all right, and start reading it and understand what really strong businesses look like from the inside out. And as you educate yourself, Good to Great by Jim Collins, another great book, Exit Rich, it gives you the tools to understand things that you need to do from the beginning to build that structure into your business so that you have the greatest and best chance to succeed. Steve Forbes, a friend of mine, he says, you know, Exit Rich is a goldmine for entrepreneurs. It is a 
textbook on how to build and structure your business so that you have the highest likelihood of success? So I think the stats are something like, I don't know, 50% of all businesses close in the first three years or so. You probably know the stat. What, what's like the big macro stat that everybody doom and glooms about? Do you happen well, to know? Pretty much 85% of businesses don't get past the seventh or eighth year. And, you know, but the, those stats have actually changed and it's even scarier. Businesses that have been in business for 10 years are failing right and left. Mm. And that's because they have not paid attention to what's the dynamics changing in the economy and they haven't stayed current. And so whether you are a long-term business owner or a new business owner, you need to pay attention to what's happening in the world. And so for instance, 40 years ago, the Fortune 500 companies were 85% bricks and mortar, 15% intangible. Today, that's more than flipped. Close yeah. to 90% of the valuation of Fortune 500 is intangible with less than 10% bricks and mortar. Okay, so the world continues to change. You think of the, you know, the Amazon, a lot mm -hmm. of intangible assets. Um, Uber, one of the largest transportation companies, they own no cars. Airbnb, one of the largest hospitality, they own no hotels. And so what are you doing to stay up with the times and creating more intangible value and assets within your business? And if you don't understand it, then you need to bring in the right people to help you, the right mentors, read the right books, staying on the cutting edge of business will help you stay on the front of the wave so that you are in business in 10 years instead of being capsized by it. And I think it's important for people to know when we talk about intangible assets, we're not, we're not only talking about software or apps or, you know, stuff that's technologically intensive. A service business has a ton of intangible assets with their, their, their good faith, their know-how, their customer relationships, like. Their brand, the, their logo, those things. Yeah. That, yeah. So I, I think patents, that's your copyrights, your trademarks your goodwill out there in the world, your reputation, your competitive advantage has, can come from every aspect of your business. Yeah, even like your social media, for example, intangible yes. assets. So it's, um, I think it's interesting. A lot of people, you know, the, the, the concept of entrepreneurship, I think is really, uh, and I know this because I talk to a lot of young people, right? Uh, I have four kids, two teenagers, about a dozen of their friends at my house at any given time. And I think I have a, my wife is like the cool mom. So like, I, I have a decent finger on the pulse of like how young people think. And I think there's a lot of thinking that, that entrepreneurship now is all about technological innovation, right? Cause those are, you know, it's kind of, it's almost like the term is kind of been hijacked by fast company magazine. Right. And it's like, that's all we think of as an entrepreneur is some Silicon Valley, you know, guy with a second home in Malibu. And it's like, no, like there's, just about any traditional business that we might have thought of from the last hundred years, there's a way to do it effectively in the modern world that's leaner and smarter and more modernized. Um, what, what would you say to people that think that entrepreneurship is is daunting or out of reach because it involves a, you know kind of this narrow set of technology skills that are you know most people don't have? Well, it's true. It's never been easier to start a business because of the technological advancements that we have, the ability to have the internet, to have the ability to market online. But in starting a business, it's all about providing 
a solution to someone who they're looking at it. And it could be local, it could be, it could be global. And that's what allows us to compete with the big boys because we have the internet. So we can compete on a global basis. But I talk to people that are just trying to get started and I go, let's take a, a baby step. Okay. If there are companies out there that you really love and support, join their affiliate program, start marketing for them. So you get some cash flow, right? Mm -hmm. And through that affiliate program, you start learning the process of, of internet marketing with an established brand. And then that cash flow, you can use that as your seed money to start your own thing. And now there's so many um, platforms that you can use their systems. That's where I talk about, you know, your systems, your processes. You don't have to create all those systems yourself. You can have online programs and you're using Kajabi or other e-learning programs that give you the ability. They have the, the funnels. They have the ability for you to tie into that. And so, yes, a lot of online technology is, is part of starting a new business, but it's not, it, it's not the end all. It's what you do and how you apply it that generates the ability. You can have the greatest product on the world, but if you don't have the marketing that goes with it, nobody's going to be able to find you. Mm -hmm. So at the end of the day, it's not about just the profit. It's what is it, you know, what, what are you doing that's unique to you that can help someone that they're going to want to use it and then tell their friends about it? So, yeah, I, I, exactly. And, and a lot, and this idea, like, there's plenty of technology out there to grow a business. You don't need to, you don't need to create technology to have a business. Um, so, so let me ask you this. I, I like to, I like to kind of peel back the, the human layers in with my guests and really understand, you know, you, you've obviously been pretty fabulously successful, you know, and, and, it, and it's not just since everybody heard of you, even before that, like you said, one of the first female CPAs, you know, you were rising through those ranks. Like you've obviously got, some sort of an X factor, maybe, maybe it's a drive, maybe it's just, you know, you know, cog cognitive brilliance. It's probably some combination of things, but like, can you talk a little bit about where you think your success was sourced? Like how did Sharon get primed to go out into the world and, and crush it when frankly, most people don't? Well, thanks for that question, Jeff. And I, you know, if I had an answer and could bottle it, I'd be a billionaire. But I think, you know, every night my dad would ask me, Sharon, have you added value to someone's life today? You know, he's been gone 16 years, but I still ask myself that every night. Have I added value to someone's life today? My eight, I was destined to be a fourth grade math teacher. That was my dream, my goal. And my eighth grade English teacher told me, Sharon, you're going to be a famous writer. I thought she was crazy. Um, I've been in college in accounting and double track and science and genetics. And my house mother said, you're going to be speaking on stage. And I thought she was crazy. But you, people that, you know, it's really important to let young people know that you believe in them. Mm. And I think that's not happening a lot in today's world. And my parents told me you could be and do anything you want. And I lived in a world where I was the only girl in my classes half the time. Um, I was definitely having to find my way to create success in a man's world, but I didn't look at it as sexual discrimination. I just said, okay, I accept the challenge. If, I'm, if I want to succeed, I'm going to have to work a little harder. And I think it's really important for each of us to know that today, the, the level, the playing field is level. 
if you apply yourself and you start finding those resources to support you, you have the ability to create success. We are all created uniquely perfect. And when we start trying to compare ourselves to other people, we get into trouble. My book, Outwitting the Devil, that was my second book with the Napoleon Hill Foundation. It was written by Napoleon Hill in 1938. He intended it to be the sequel to Think and Grow Rich. His wife was scared by the title. She forbid it to be published and it was locked away for 73 years. And when um, we released Three Feet from Gold, Don Green said, I have this manuscript. I need you to see that he had just gotten it delivered by the family. I was probably the only the fourth or fifth person to read it. And it was typed on a manual typewriter, had handwritten notes by Napoleon Hill in the margins. It was like I was having a conversation with him. Wow. And this book changed me. And I said, this has to get out in the world. And it is just going like gangbusters around the world. Perfect for the younger generation because it's in your face. But it talks about how fear holds us back and keeps us from creating the success we deserve. Now, in Three Feet from Gold, the first book that I did with the Napoleon Hill Foundation, I released the personal success equation. And that's combining your passion and your talent. And that really is all about us. And most of us stop there. But true success comes from times a power of association. Who's on your team? Who's around you? Who's your mentor? Do you have the right people propelling you forward? Times a taking action. Are you taking action? How many times do we know what we're supposed to do? We just don't do it. And then plus F for faith, faith in yourself, faith in what you're doing, faith that is needed and necessary and faith that you will succeed. That personal success equation, and you can go to personalsuccessequation.com and get a free workbook that I created. I use with every single one of my clients with every talk that I give, because that is the essence. When I start with working with somebody, it's usually the power of association that needs the most work and that faith and confidence, because that F is really fear in their lives. They're holding themselves back. And that's what outwitting the devil flies in the face of where that fear came from. The fear of criticism, a very big one in today, fear of poverty, fear of old age, fear of death, and how fear keeps us from creating the, the potential that we have and how to unlock that potential, um, to use your phrase, to he shares the steps to go through that definite of purpose. What is your purpose on life? What is it you want to do? Mm. Mastery over self, having that self-discipline, learning from adversity, and then the big one in today's world, controlling your environment. What are you allowing into your head, into your space? Who are you listening to? Who are you hanging out with? Are you allowing that negativity to burrow into your subconscious? And then controlling your time. Are you spending your time or are you investing your time? And our only precious resource, we can make money, lose it and make it back. But when our time is gone, it's mm. gone. And so we go through this process of finding your ability to determine what your purpose is and controlling and creating and reaching for the success that you so richly deserve. And that fear is so debilitating. And people have these thoughts in their brain that say, I'm not good enough. Um, easy for her to say, some of you may right. have already thought that during this interview, easier for her to say, or I'm too old, which is now one of my favorite ones, you know, and 
that's that negativity, that man-made devil that's in your brain, keeping you from realizing your potential. I am. If you notice me looking down, it's because I'm downloading the audiobook Outwitting the Devil right now. Oh, you will love it. I made them get two different actors because Outwitting the Devil is like an interrogation of the devil. Yeah. And um, he's got to show how he keeps us from creating success. Oh, so it's kind of like a uh, screw tape. Have you read screw yes, tape letters? Yeah. And I made them get two different actors and the, and the devil's got this grovelly old voice and, wow. but it's, it's magical. It's like a radio drama. You'll love it. You'll have to let me know when you hear Oh, I, I very much will. Yeah. That's why I seem distracted. I'm like, I'm like, this is so good. If I, I have like such bad, if I don't write it down or do it right now, I'll forget. I, 15 minutes when we're done, I would forget to get it. So I had to get it right now, um, which I actually think is one of the reasons I've been relatively successful in my life is kind of the whole because Mel Robbins. you're an action taker. Yeah, the whole Mel Robbins I'm five saying. second rule. Yeah. Like I don't give myself five seconds because I'll, I'll forget or I'll talk myself out of it. So even if I have to be rude and look off camera while I'm talking to the great Sharon Lecter, I will do it now if I need to do it. Um, so I also pulled up... Uh, personalsuccessequation.com. Uh, very cool. And, and you just kind of explained the equation. Um, what, tell me a little more. Like, So if I download this guide, what is this going to help me do? Well, it's going to help you start looking at the elements that you have in your life. And it's going to help you identify areas where you might need to focus on working on. So you have your passion, your talent, your passion is, you know, what do you care about? My passion came from anger. We weren't teaching kids about money in school. Mm -hmm. My talent, CPA, accounting, and lots of publishing. And most of us stop there because we really, we've been taught to do things on our own. But when you start thinking about the power of association, and this one, go deep in, on, in this, in that workbook. Who do you have around you? Who are you listening to? Who's supporting you? Do you have a mentor? Who are your advisors? Who's on your team? Do you have people on your team who are strong where you are weak? And then times action, taking action. How you do, are you one that says, I'll do it tomorrow? Or you have tons of paper on your desk because you, you're taking furious notes, but you never look at them again, right? Taking action. And then plus faith, having that confidence in yourself and how can you build that faith? And so in this workbook, I help, I go through each one of these so that you can dial in on what you need to do to create the next best chapter. Yeah, that's really interesting. I love frameworks, like frameworks are just so great. So I'm going to write this down. You had passion, talent, action, association, and, and faith. faith. Okay. So I'm going to grade myself real quick. Uh, my passion, I my passion came from being bullied as a kid and this sense that in the school system, if you don't fit in, you feel like there's no path or no future for you. It's the most isolating feeling in the world. We wonder why suicides are on the rise, why kids' emotional and psychological health is deteriorating. It's all, I, I see how social media in many ways has made it worse, although I don't think it's as bad as some people do. Um, but yeah, that that my fight is like, Hey, there's got to be a place for all the misfits in this world because it, you know, we're the, we're the crazy ones, right? We're the, we're the ones Steve Jobs was talking about. So stop making us feel like we're a problem or, or that we're, ba we're baggage that you'd be better off without uh, Mr. Society, right? Um, talent. i you know, I think I, I bounced around to a lot of things. I had musical talent that didn't necessarily pay very well, but when I figured out my, you know, kind of what my certain core talents are now, and I've really gone hard into them you know, business has really taken off. I'm a massive action taker, um, pretty high self-belief. Faith is the substance of what is hoped for and the certainty of what is not seen is one of my favorite verses that I, I repeat to myself endlessly. 
but association. It's interesting you say that. I can say that my business stock has risen more in the last two years than in 20 years previously. I've been a full-time entrepreneur since I was 16 because I started putting myself out there and I started reaching out and networking and doing things like this. I started a podcast. I started you know, shopping the idea of a book and I started building relationships. And now when you Google me, you see me and it's crazy. People think it's like rocket science, but you see me interviewing you know, Grant Cardone, or you see me interviewing, you know, James Altucher, you see me interviewing Sharon Lecter. And it's like, yeah, well, you never get what you don't ask for. Have you asked Sharon for an interview? Have you asked Grant for an interview? Have you asked, you know, whoever for an interview? Well, it's, it's it, but that association, you, is real. you just kind of really, really made me realize like, okay, I can go through this list, passion, talent, action, association, and faith and say like, where, where can I sprinkle the most fairy dust to create the most, you know, multiplication. And, and for some people, if it's not working, it's probably because one of those five things is broken. Is that, is that a true statement? Absolutely. Always. I use that as my, my standard guide when I'm working with my clients to figure out how can we get you to the next level? And so if you take that and you map it over the six P's, then it's like, whatever you're missing you know, one thing I've really learned is you can, you can cover a lot of gaps with people, mm -hmm. you know, in a way that association, it's not all, it's not just, oh, well, was my, what did I share a stage with Les Brown and, and got my picture taken or something? It can be, do I have people in my organization that I'm associated with who, who maybe are better at firing up the troops than I am, or maybe they have different talents than I do, or maybe they, frankly, are better action takers or they're more organized action takers. They're better integrators than I am. Like a lot of association can be internal too. Absolutely. I mean, power of association is who's on your team inside and out. And, mm -hmm. you know, it's really important as you build your business to understand, you know, the people that will be there to get you to the next level. I mean, all of my success from talking books from Rich Dad came through the power of association. Instead of trying to build something myself, when I wanted to do Rich Dad coaching, I found the best coaching company out there. I hmm. did a deal with them where we use their people, their systems, their phone systems, but it was all Rich Dad themed and Rich Dad quality control. And so things, how can you get into speed to market is a big deal today. And so it's important mm -hmm. to understand the power of association, the power of licensing, power of quality control. So can I shift gears? Sure. We've got about seven, eight minutes left. Um, the time in your life when you felt the most in, in crisis and how you overcame it. Well, that was nine years ago. Um, we lost our youngest son. And I was about to go on stage to speak in Las Vegas. And I got the phone call. And the worst six hour drive home and ever. And um, it threw me into what I call neutral. I, I played big my entire life. And when you, you're not supposed to outlive your children. And I went into a world of numb for several years, still working, but playing very small, still speaking. But um, I really had kind of withdrawn inside myself. Talk about power of association is about the only thing that reason I survived because people wouldn't let me go away. And but I, about five years ago, I thought about just retiring, saying, you know, I just this, I'm I had I was not able to get past the grief. 
And when I started talking about it, I got a lot of pushback from family and friends. And I think I even heard my son in my ear saying, get over it, mom, there's more for you to do. And I realized when I started being honest about it and being vulnerable, I impacted many more people. People were like coming out of the woodwork saying, my gosh, I can't believe you've been through that. I have to, I need help. And it's something that I launched a private Facebook group called the Play Big Movement with Sharon Lecter. And I did that because I decided, made the decision to play big again. And when I did that, amazing things happened. I mean, the Get Motivated stage came to me. I was asked to be in the Think and Grow Rich Legacy movie. I was highlighted in the um, World's Greatest Motivators television series. I was just in um, Dave Meltzer's TV program. All of it because I made myself open to the possibilities again. And that's what I want people to understand, to, to really unlock your potential, right? The whole Play Big movement is about being number one in your field living your legacy because your legacy is created every single day with every heart you touch and creating maximum impact. And so it's totally organic. There's, it's not a sales pitch. It's free to join, but it's people helping each other see that bigger vision. Because if you're here, we only go around this world once in this, in this embodiment, let's make the greatest impact. Let's add the greatest value. And so, yeah, it's real easy for me to answer that question and things that used to worry about me, you know, it's keep me up at night once you had something like that happen, it does, you know, it, it redefines what stress is. But in the last couple of years, a lot of people have had things that stopped them in their tracks. It's been death, divorce, financial setback, an illness. Um, and I'm here to tell you, you're still here for a reason. And whatever you've been through, you have survived and you now have the ability to share and help other people that are going through the same thing. And so I want to support you in turning that mess into your message, into your miracle, because you have the ability to help people and you're stronger for it. And there's more for you to do. Well, I'm so glad I asked, obviously I'm, I'm not so glad to hear what the answer was, but man, if I've learned anything, it's that uh, ours is not to reason why, you know, like just, we don't know how it all works and, and all the good that may have come from that. I, I'm, I'm glad I asked, like I said, and thank you for, for doing that work. And this is a time when people, man, it's messed up out there. Like we, we, we shouldn't go down that rabbit hole for sure, but uh, the world needs, needs this, this kind of united center of, of growth and, and disrupt belief in the disruptive power of human beings, but also as a, as a galvanizing and unifying force to bring people together because what it, it's weird. It's like what makes us different is also what bring, what should bring us together. And, and it seems like we're, we're trying to come together around sameness when we should be coming together around differenceness. Around uniqueness, uniqueness. Yeah. yeah. So when COVID hit, um, I just, I was like so upset with all the negativity and all the fear and all the people scared to death. And so I actually launched something called ATM, which is a daily message of abundance, tips, and mentorship. Okay. And you can go to atm.sharonlector.com. There's a minimal charge, but it's something every single day I want to give people a message of positivity, a message of you are fabulous. And then I end every single one of them having you say, I am fabulous because we need to invest in each other. We need to lift each other up. And I wholeheartedly agree with you, Jeff. There's way too much mental health issues. There's way too many children out there that feel less than. They don't feel, they don't stand 
stand in their own power. We've got to give them the opportunity to understand how beautiful they are just the way they are and get them to understand that they need to stand in their own power. And it's, it, it is an epidemic and we have to take it the bull by the horn and start focusing on adding value and supporting each other and supporting our children to learn that self-confidence, to understand that they are beautiful and perfect just the way they are. And they have the opportunity to create the, the future that they want and not judge themselves by someone else. Yeah. And, and I think it's really important for, I'd like to add to what you just said, like, that's not just a feel good, you know, call it a personal development message. There is a commercial, like a tangible commercial value in understanding that your differences are, are your unique assets. And that like the, if you, overcoming fear is not just a way to feel better. It's, it actually is a way to make more money. It really is like, like I want to boil the water out of that pan and and have people understand we are not just talking about some feel good message. A lot of my listeners are like, how do I make more money? How do I get ahead in life? How do I solve practical problems? Overcoming fear and limiting beliefs and self-doubt and low self-worth is a, is a, is a, it's almost like a line item on your balance sheet, or it's a line item on your liabilities, your fear and self-doubt it's costing you money every day. So Anyway, I just, I just kind of wanted to echo that. I know, Sharon, we're unfortunately out of time. I want to make sure um, you mentioned personalsuccessequation.com. Obviously, your website is SharonLector.com. Um, you mentioned your new book, Exit Rich, which is available everywhere. Books are sold, I'm sure. Is there anything else that you'd like to invite people to come check out? Well, reach out to me, info at SharonLector.com. I'd love to hear from everybody. Um, you know, we're involved in all kinds of different things, whether it be real estate or time management programs, but uh, reach out to info at Sharon Lecter. I'd love to hear from all of you. And I mentioned the daily messaging is you can go to atm.sharonlector.com to learn more about that. But at the end of the day, I still do what I do because I care and I want to support people. I don't do it. I've been financially free since I was 38 and that was a long time ago. So, but I love what I do. Um, I am fed every single day by the letters and emails and texts that I get from people who have found um, that one thing that can help them take themselves to the next level. And that's what I want to do for each and every one of you. Hey, it's Jeff here. If you liked this episode of Unlock Your Potential, it would mean so much if you would like and share the episode on whatever platform you're listening or viewing on. And if you really like what we're doing here and you enjoy this podcast, please consider leaving a review. There is so much work that goes into these episodes and you leaving a positive review lets us know that that work is reaching people and especially it helps us reach other people. Your review could be the reason that someone else decides to tune in, check out this podcast and unlock their potential and ultimately level up the quality of their life. So thank you, thank you, thank you so much for your support and for listening, especially if you like or share or leave a review. Thank you for helping us spread the word and thank you for unlocking your potential to go make the world and your world a better place.